Before we start, let's acknowledge that today is Independence Day in the U.S. For those not in the U.S., it's the day we celebrate Congress's declaration of independence from England back in 1776. The Second Continental Congress had ratified our independence just two days earlier. The most usual celebration is a fireworks display accompanied by a backyard barbecue with friends and family. That's an easy transition to writing about your kidney, renal, diet no matter if you're a chronic kidney disease stages 1 to 5 patient, a dialysis patient, or a transplantee. Last week, I wrote about two of the three P's as I called them in my first CKD book What Is It and How Did I Get It? Early Stage Chronic Kidney Disease. Those are the electrolytes potassium and phosphorus. Last week, I neglected to define electrolyte. Medline Plus can rectify that right now. Electrolytes are minerals in your blood and other body fluids that carry an electric charge. Electrolytes affect how your body functions in many ways, including the amount of water in your body, the acidity of your blood, pH, your muscle function, other important processes. You lose electrolytes when you sweat. You must replace them by drinking fluids that contain electrolytes. Water does not contain electrolytes. I can practically hear you asking what electrolytes have to do with your kidneys. I turn to Very Well Health for an explanation we can all understand. Electrolyte abnormalities are very common in kidney disease states for one simple reason. It is the kidney that typically has a central role in maintaining normal levels of most electrolytes. Therefore, these abnormalities are a consequence of abnormal kidney function, rather than a cause. Both low and high levels of electrolytes can be seen when the kidneys malfunction. Aha! So, We've got to keep our kidneys as healthy as possible to control our electrolytes. It is a little too late to keep our electrolytes normal if we already have CKD, are on dialysis, or have a transplant. However, there's no reason not to try. I think I already mentioned at one point that I have hyperkalemia, high potassium, for the first time. I also have a significantly lower GFR than I'm used to. You see where I'm going with this? Okay, let's get to that third P I mentioned. It's protein. As stage 3b, I am restricted to 5 ounces a day. Since I've never had either high or low protein on my blood tests, I wonder if I'm automatically sticking to that restriction. I honestly doubt it, so I'll have to do better. Protein is hard on the kidneys. It's a good thing that the National Kidney Foundation explains why so well. Your body needs protein to help build muscle, repair tissue, and fight infection. If you have kidney disease, you may need to watch how much protein you eat. Having too much protein can cause waste to build up in your blood, and your kidneys may not be able to remove all the extra waste. If protein intake is too low, however, it may cause other problems so it is essential to eat the right amount each day. The amount of protein you need is based on your body size, your kidney problem, the amount of protein in your urine. Your dietitian or healthcare provider can tell you how much protein you should eat. Luckily for me, I'll be seeing my nephrologist later this week and will be sure to ask him how much protein I should be having on a daily basis. Due to the diabetes, I have gained weight. Perhaps that changed the amount of protein I should be having daily. We'll see. Then again, there's that change in my GFR. What will that change? Of course, I won't know the amount of protein in my urine until I see the results from the blood tests I took previous to this appointment. I like to know exactly what happens in my kidneys, so let's see what too little or too much protein can do to them. The Journal of the American Society of Nephrology has an explanation that is surprisingly easy for laypeople, that's us, non-doctors, to understand. Although there has not been a full elucidation of the underlying mechanisms by which high protein intake may adversely affect kidney function, 
particularly in the context of CKD. Existing data suggests that glomerular hyperfiltration caused by a high-protein diet may lead to an increase in albuminuria and an initial rise and subsequent decline in GFR, figure 2. Furthermore, growing evidence suggests that high-protein diets may be associated with a number of metabolic complications that may be detrimental to kidney health. Figure 2 is below. Reminder, albuminuria and proteinuria are not the same thing. Let's take a look at the protein needs for dialysis patients. I found this on Devita's website. Excess protein waste can cause nausea, loss of appetite, vomiting, weakness, taste changes and itching. Dialysis removes protein waste from the blood and a low-protein diet is no longer needed. Unfortunately, some amino acids are removed during dialysis. A higher protein intake is needed to replace lost protein. What about protein needs after a transplant? The University of Michigan was more than helpful here. For the first 6-8 to eight weeks after transplant, you will need a high-protein diet to help heal. Dialysis patients will need as much or more protein following transplant than they did during dialysis. Chronic kidney disease, CKD, patients not on dialysis will definitely require more protein after transplant. Protein is important for healing and strength. High doses of prednisone can cause muscle breakdown, making adequate protein intake even more crucial. 6-8 to eight weeks after the transplant, you should reduce protein intake to 6-8 to eight ounces daily. I thought we needed a little humor here, so I've included Australia's better health list of protein foods. Lean meats, beef, lamb, veal, pork, kangaroo, poultry, chicken, turkey, duck, emu, goose, bush birds, fish and seafood, fish, prawns, crab, lobster, mussels, oysters, scallops, clams, eggs, dairy products, milk, yogurt, especially Greek yogurt, cheese, especially cottage cheese, nuts, including nut pastes, and seeds, almonds, pine nuts, walnuts, macadamias, hazelnuts, cashews, pumpkin seeds, sesame seeds, sunflower seeds, legumes and beans, all beans, lentils, chickpeas, split peas, tofu. There's so much difference in the dietary needs among CKD, dialysis, and transplant patients. And we haven't even dealt with this in the three P's and one S. That's sodium or, as we usually refer to it, salt although there is a difference between the two. That will be part three in this series. Until next week. Keep living your life.